again. Welcome again to the Never Seen It podcast, the only podcast called the Never Seen It podcast that's worth listening to. I am your host, Boots Too Big, and today we have, of course, the cornerstones of this show, our co-hosts, Mr. Justin Shibby the Zombie Holden, Mr. Alex Filipino Grigio, Mr. Arnold Arnie the One Man Party. Can't have a podcast without him. Anthony cannot be here tonight. He is uh, shaving all the Parmesan cheese out of his ears. All right. So we have some very special guests tonight. We have a Miss Crystal Harrell and a Mr. Kurt Shawwalker. But before we get into that, of course, the movie we're, we're talking about tonight is Carnival of Souls, the 1962 film directed by a Mr. Herc Harvey logline. Mary Henry ends up the sole survivor of a fatal car accident through mysterious circumstances. Trying to put the incident behind her, she moves to Utah and takes a job as a church organist. But her fresh start is interrupted by visions of a fiendish man. As the visions begin to occur more frequently, Mary finds herself drawn to the deserted carnival on the outskirts of town. The strangely alluring carnival may hold the secret to her tragic past. All right, so this is the movie we watched. I have not seen this movie before. I knew nothing about it going in. Justin, what can you tell us about this movie? And uh, and, what, and why did you guys decide to, to have us watch this movie this week? Um, so I actually never seen this movie either. This is actually my first viewing as well, which is a rarity on this show at this point. But uh, um, by the way, I just want to um, commend you on your intro. Very nice, very raspy, very horror aesthetic oh, going on. I, I was it. trying to, you know, <laughs> I was trying to get that vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but Hey, good job on that. But, um, yeah, I've actually <laughs> never seen this movie. I, um, did dip into it a little bit prior to watching just to kind of get an idea. Uh, usually when it comes to like older movies, sometimes, uh, they just kind of the, the, I guess the plot line of it, of most of older films is that they kind of like go over my head a little bit from time to time. So I have to do a little research um, because I know these movies have a little bit more of a di- deeper meaning to them, but uh, yeah, uh, never seen it, went in totally blind and uh, it was uh, definitely quite an experience. Um, but uh, the person that recommended this movie for us to watch uh, was actually Crystal. Um, so my question for you, Crystal, uh, is what inspired you to uh, bring this movie on to our show for us all to watch? Because obviously I don't think anybody, anybody else has seen uh, this movie uh, except for you. <laughs> yeah, um, not a lot of people I know have seen this movie. And I'm, it's, I think it's really cool that this is the first time that that's happened where none of you guys have seen it either in the podcast. So I came across this movie actually in college. Um, I was minoring in film um, at the time around 2018, and I really got interested in learning about the different types of film eras. I studied a lot of films from the 1950s and 60s. I was very into Hitchcock, um, and I was just perusing online, seeing what other movies were there that had a similar feel. And Carnival of Souls was one that came up, and I realized it had a cult following, and I watched it, and I was really um, impressed with how no one seemed to have talked about it, but it has that um, certain eeriness and atmospheric tension that I think that is really unique. And it really does feel like an extension of a Twilight Zone episode. And I think that it's something that other horror enthusiasts should see. It's not gimmicky in your face horror it's really atmospheric tension with a lot of visual cues and memorable moments that stay in your mind image wise yeah this movie was definitely a vibe as the kids like <laughs> to say these days right <laughs> and you know what I, it's so funny you say that because i i was thinking i was like this feels like a twilight zone episode for sure like this feels like if uh, like a very extended uh, twilight zone episode and the other thing that i thought was I wonder if this movie inspired David Lynch at all, because it felt very Lynchian in some parts, uh, especially like Eraserhead. I don't know if you guys have seen that, yeah. but 
there, there's definitely some certain aesthetic and a certain like uh, vibe that I feel like uh, uh, was familiar to me from from Eraserhead. And um, I don't know, did you guys did you guys kind of get that at all? Did anybody else kind of get that, or was it just me? Uh, what I got out of it was um, it, it kind of gave me a feeling of like uh, the original Psycho, uh, just a little bit more along the lines of like how it's filmed and also uh the lead female character kind of like trying to escape uh the rest of society and you know the issues that uh she was having so it, it definitely gave me and i could see where you see erase her head a little bit but i definitely see a lot of uh psycho inspiration which um now that i was like looking it up i i noticed that psycho came out two years prior to this so maybe it was this movie was also just trying to ride on the uh uh the psycho train yeah uh, during that time for the most part i i yeah. do see your your reference though to david lynch though there's a, there's definitely definitely like a david lynchian sort of like vibe uh especially yeah. later on in the, the film and um you know it's just kind of it gets a little bit more uh more and more abstract uh in, in certain scenes and you try to you're, you're supposed to like kind of um you know pull pull things out of it, like certain you know like foreshadowing and things like that the other thing i wanted to talk about was that this film was a low budget film even for 1960 standards i think they only i think they got 33,000 to make this movie which you know as i always say making a movie is a feat in end of itself but uh, making a movie for 33,000 is like holy moly that's that's, that's not a, a lot of money for, uh, inflation on that <laughs> yeah <laughs> what's that what's the calculation for inflation on that i'm not uh, sure but shoot i like did it too i did the re- <laughs> oh okay <laughs> hold on probably like a uh, million dollars it's in here well uh it was like so f- it said something estimated um earnings was like thirty thousand for 1962 um uh for inflation it's almost three hundred thousand dollars so even in for today's standards that's still pretty low as far as like uh film uh, yeah. film budgets go so it's about yeah. a third like like a, about half the budget of rubber oh really? yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> callbacks that's um, so interesting uh, but before we get uh any further to that um crystal what uh, uh what business are you in um i know that you're a writer uh, but can you give us a little bit more uh detail on uh what your uh professional career is like Yeah, so I'm a writer, journalist based in the greater Palm Springs area. Um, I do freelance writing for different publications, but I am currently head feature writer for Coachella Valley Weekly, which is an entertainment-based online magazine. And I'm also a reporter for the High Desert Star newspaper in Yucca Valley. So I do a lot of news pertaining to the Joshua Tree area, so I'm kind of in both regions of the desert, and that's my primary work. I'm also going to be a promotions producer for KSQ News Channel 3, um, wow, starting after my honeymoon. <laughs> That's so awesome. awesome. Congratulations, congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. How about honeymoon. you, Kurt? What is your um, yeah. profession? Uh, so I suppose it couldn't be any more different. Um, I am the event production rigging manager for the Greater Coachella Valley. Uh, so a lot of the stuff that you need a lot of the technical things that you would need for film production or any events like uh hanging lights uh speakers projectors all that has to go on truss and has to get hung with motors or ropes and steel and all that and uh right now i'm managing four or five of the largest venues in the valley including the convention center and a couple of big box hotels kurt um i'm assuming you've seen this movie before or no not until crystal introduced it to me i was always more of a monster movie kind of guy you know godzilla 2000 is is that's my trash i love it <laughs> uh, but uh crystal has got me into like true blue horror stuff that keeps me awake and I, you know, i'd seen like blair witch project and some of the big ones but crystal has really gotten me into more international things and a lot smaller projects so been very thankful for her for that that's so great are, are you I, I more of a, like a horror like when it comes to are you just into monsters or are you into like the psychological horror or what what is your your vibe when it comes to uh, horror oh i mean don't get me wrong i love like shutter island um Ooh. and that kind of stuff but uh, like um 
and uh, like Dark City. Dark City is another excellent one, but this is more of Hellraiser vibes too. Um, yeah, anything from like The Thing to Godzilla, man. I'm I'm all about it. If it's if it's got more teeth or legs than normal, I'll watch it. <laughs> nice. If you, if you haven't seen the host, definitely check the host out. That's a good one. Ooh. Well, I, I have a recommendation. You guys have probably seen the ritual on Netflix, right? Oh, I, I love the amazing creature design. Oh, that's that's it doesn't have to be any more than it is, and it's already yeah, it's such good nightmare fuel. I still don't like going through going on walks in the woods. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that solid out. that's a solid movie actually. Um, just the monster design alone. Um, not even, I mean, I love the folklore horror movies and I would, I would consider that more of like a folklore horror, but with like a monster that, you know, follows up with that. Um, but it's it's a a great creature. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good movie. Definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it before. Kurt, please tell me you're a fan of the human centipede. Oh, I mean, (laughs) Fan's a very strong word, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I have an appreciation for it. You know, it's uh, it is it, certainly an movie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is a a creature flick. Yes, definitely not not the sequels, not into the sequel. Those don't need to exist. But uh, the original, yeah, it yeah. it has its place. It's yeah. got it's got the shock horror. It yeah. it serves a purpose. Yeah, I've only seen the first one, and the first one is. Yeah, exactly what you said. I mean, it's it's definitely a thing. It's definitely a very specific type of movie that I probably wouldn't want to watch again. But I'm glad that I watched it uh, so I could be part of that conversation. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I have similar feelings with the Saw franchise, you know? Oh, I love the Saw franchise. Yeah, like they're good. You know, I'd watch them if they're on cable, but I'm not seeking those out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but back back to this movie really quick. I have yeah. to say this movie felt. Uh, I was reading about it that it did much better when it was broadcast on TV late at night, and that's kind of how it garnered the cult following. And that that makes so much sense because I, I could see this movie as like a a background noise movie. You know, late at night, your channel surfer. This is obviously pre internet day, so you 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 kids, the kiddos listening wouldn't know about this. <laughs> but back in the day, you know, you you could channel surf all night. And you'd come across you know, paid advertisements and, you know, all kinds of schlock. But but then you'd come across these random, like, movies that they would air, like, super late at night. I feel like, like this is definitely that vibe, you know? Especially now as we're entering a spooky season, you know what I mean? It's, um, it's funny you bring that up, um, Adrian, because, like, when I was watching it, I watched it on Vudu, and Vudu has commercials, and it yeah. actually almost felt good to see those commercials cut into yeah. the movie because it, like you said, it, it was like kind of nostalgic in a way. Cause when I was watching it, I also got like, sort of like, um, uh, MST three K vibes. That's like yeah, right like, from the beginning. Yeah. Cause like, oh, Nikki, is that yeah. a gang? <laughs> yeah. <it's... laughs> yeah. They, they are a gang. <laughs> they, they're, they're a space gang. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, the, random, 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 totally random uh, reference here. Did you guys e- ever watch the Angry Beaver show on Nickelodeon back in the day? Oh wow! Yes. Back. Where's my shovel? That's I need to go digging. That's that's way back there. Yeah. Do you remember how on that show they would watch old B horror movies? Yeah. This like, like, Beavis and Butthead moment. Yeah, this is like a movie they would be watching on Angry Beavers. Yeah. You know? Um. <laughs> I have to say though, I was kind of confused by by the ending. Can, can someone explain to me the ending? So was she dead the whole time, or or what's yeah, up? Yeah, she was dead the whole time. Okay, <laughs> I, I figured. <laughs> I figured that out like um, halfway through the movie. <laughs> uh, right, Crystal. What, what is your uh, opinion on the ending of the movie, or what is your, I guess, thought on uh, that twist ending? You know, like, I think I really appreciate it um, for the movie as a whole. One of the things that I really like about this movie is that it ties together this sort of cerebral concept of the thin line of life and death. Um, You know, because the character, she was an organist for a a church, and she even said herself, you know, I don't really affiliate with the church. I don't believe in it, you know. So from then we get that perspective of the character just being on this tethered point of life and death and you can tell throughout the movie there's an emotional and physical disconnect with all the other people around her she seems like she's kind of walking her own path and I think that's really intentional 
And when you get that big culmination at the end with the stunning, like, visual representation of the pavilion dance floor, it really just comes together as um, a really surreal and kind of chaotic um, culmination of everything that she's been through. So I really liked the ending. I thought that the twist was appropriate and the little visual cues and hints throughout the movie really helped tether it to that direction. So I, I really liked it. Yeah, I think um, the the visuals for me, when, when it comes to like her being in, in the house uh, with um, uh, the landlady and uh, her neighbor, her creepy neighbor, <laughs> uh, I felt like all the scenes that were outside of that, I guess, normal reality bubble, even in the church scenes, I, I felt like everything was just so plain and dreary. But when it came to uh, the moments where she had... Um, where, where she couldn't hear anything and nobody could see her. I felt like everything became a little bit more stylized. I felt like the, the blacks were a little bit more crushed black and everything seemed to pop out a little bit more. And I feel like that kind of played into it being uh, a visual of what her, I guess, more or less limbo um, within this world was, uh, especially after finding out that at the end of the movie that she was in the car the whole time. So it was just kind of her kind of wait, uh, no pun intended, waiting through um, this limbo, um, just trying to find her, find her way out or just trying to find more purpose and meaning after what she, the trauma that she experienced. At least that's what I saw from it. No, that's a great point. I, I, I wasn't sure um, what was kind of happening there when she would sort of, the, the world would go mute and, and people couldn't see or hear her. And then there were moments where she obviously could be seen or heard. So it was like, she was sort of kind of like going in and out, in and out, in and out of like this world and the next type of de- type of deal right like that's that's what that was it seems so um i'm glad you noticed that too because i wasn't sure i was like i was kind of confused i was like is she a ghost is she under some kind of trance is, is this a dream like what's what's going on here but yeah, for, for me that woke her up like that was the what that woke <laughs> or her even up? the bird the um uh, sorry not to cut you off alex but like even the like there's scenes where everything's all like watery and wavy like when yeah. she's being yeah. like going into that mode where no one can see or hear i feel like that's just uh like a callback being like hey uh you're you're still dead you know it's a little reminder but she's unaware of it yeah for, I like for me like i really i do agree with you justin like the tone uh change in between like when they, like people could see her versus like when when people couldn't that was like very um significant to me that like, like oh yeah she's dead you know when they when she was in that changing room and then she came out they like and nobody like saw her like i i was like oh yeah like it's but it's like you said it's that push and pull between um life and death um that sort of like she you know there's there's that idea of like you know ghosts they have unfinished business sort of deal yeah um the reason why their energy continues you know that sort of thing there's something that's pulling him back whereas um, the only thing that I, I really couldn't grasp was what was actually pulling her back. Um, I mean, yeah. maybe I it just uh, like went over my head, but like I was trying to figure why her reasons were to get pulled back into life. And um, if it was it just like an aimless sort of thing, was she um, I don't know. <laughs> was she lost? Is it was yeah. it because of like the whole religion thing or the lack thereof? You know, that's what I was also confused about. I was like, because obviously the guy that keeps reappearing, that she keeps seeing everywhere, obviously he has something to do with it. But they they never quite, or they never really explain who he is and what he does. And yeah, we, we see him and we see the rest of the dead people uh, at at the yeah. end at, at the at the the carnival building chasing after her and grabbing her and, yeah. and whatnot, but they never, yeah, they never inter- really tell you. So I kind of interpreted him as death, you know, the, 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 you know, the hooded skull version, yeah. but they, their, their version of it with like him, just like, he kind of looked like Bill Murray, old, an older Bill Murray, <laughs> but like, <laughs> like he, I, the way, the way I interpreted it, he was death trying to pull her back to the grave, you yeah. know, to the afterlife. 
and and that's and he was played by the director himself by the way uh her carvey yeah um was that played that character so i thought that was kind of cool um but yeah so this movie was uh yeah definitely a, definitely a vibe um and the other thing i read was it it was only five people five production people that were that and made this movie as well so not only was a low budget but it was also very much a skeleton crew as they say (laughs) Mm, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but um but that's impressive i mean honestly like like i said making a movie is a is a hard enough thing to do and to do it with such a low budget and such a limited crew you know and uh you know they were it really paid off in the end um i want to talk about the creepy neighbor though because that Oh, that guy took oh, me out of that part. No. Yeah. Oh, and that was so problematic. If it was actually today. not even yeah. just the neighbor, just all first. of the men in general throughout the movie were just absolute creepers. Yeah. yeah. Crystal, I think uh, you're qualified. Well, you know, I find it like I, I think it speaks partly to the culture at the time, but in context, I mean, maybe it could work just giving that perspective of, oh, you know, this is weird. This is not reality. This is not where she belongs. But I do. I, the neighbor is creepy. I agree. But I think the random guy that walks up to her on the street and whisks her away to his office is even more weird. Yeah. He doesn't even say like he says it himself. Well, I'm no psychiatrist, but you just listen to you listen to her life story, and that's a very and you say, well, I'm not a psychiatrist, but you know you should do this. So I don't know, we don't know who he was, but he has an office somewhere. Um, So yeah, (laughs) and he feels obligated to help her for some reason, which is super odd as well. Uh, Oh, this woman almost just fainted. Let me take her back to my office. Yeah, circling back around to the creepy neighbor, and just a tiny tangent. If you guys have watched. Uh, Miss Maisel at all on Netflix. Oh, the wow. guy is so similar to Joel. He's like a creepy <laughs> so version similar. of Joel. Yeah. Now that I know it, yeah, I can see that now. I can totally see that. You won't unsee it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I love the scene where they go out to to the diner or restaurant or whatever, and uh, he puts on music and there's people in the background dancing to music, except the music is like super low, so. The sound of the people shuffling and dancing is louder than the music itself. So I was like, wow, they did not mix that too great. Unless that was supposed to be part of it. Like how she kind of goes into her sort of deaf mode. I don't know. Did you guys catch that at all? Was that weird to anybody else? I I found it more creepy that they, they, once the music ended, it just went dead silent. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The AD, the ADR throughout this 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 film is is interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's mixed very strangely. Especially the entire opening act, you never see anybody speak to the camera, and it's there's a scene with where a young man is talking to a police officer, and it's just it's like early '80s Japanese dub bad. <laughs> it's it's really interesting. Yeah. You can tell they were really on a low budget when that scene when they're at that bar or whatever, and then he's like, "All right." Um, and then he, he tries to pour the rest of the drink for her. And there's like literally just like a few little drops. Yeah. He's like, All right. Cheers. <laughs> I saw that too. Yeah. We can't and afford that, too many Budweiser's on this. Down to, down to the very last drop. Didn't waste anything. <laughs> <laughs> he paid for these expensive beers. Remember? <laughs> yeah. These expensive Budweiser's. It was like Budweiser too. So great. <laughs> I'm so um, glad you caught that detail because I saw that too, Arnold, and I was like, "Wait, what? Her glass is already full, and there was like barely anything left in that can." But okay, it, it was the and motion. He was complaining that... that she wasn't drinking any of it. He's yeah. like, I, "How can I drink it if I only get the spits?" Yeah, <laughs> I think that's just like his his character shtick. Because if you notice earlier, um, like he poured her a cup of coffee, but oh, yeah. but like you could see, and I don't understand it if these were ceramic or plastic cups, but you can actually see the coffee, and he doesn't pour anything in the coffee. He just like, oop, little little drops here. Boop, boop, there you go. Maybe that's just his thing. Maybe he's just... Maybe he's an know, espresso? I don't know. He's just on a budget. You know, hard times. espresso type of uh, kettle sort of thing. Yeah. They hadn't invented folders yet, so he's stuck with the, the expensive stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that guy Cafe had Dumont. on 
creepy rapey vibes for sure <laughs> and, and i i like how quickly he turned on her when she when she saw the vision again and he's like i ain't get caught up with no crazy broads i'm out of here dog <laughs> see you later and he's just done, gone done like that that's all it Takes took 10 steps straight to his door <laughs> um the music i want to talk about the music really quick because the music yes. definitely fit the story but man i was getting a little annoyed after a while because it was like the same like three or four bars every <laughs> single time the music came up what do you what do you guys make of that so, i was i had some notes on that like there's a there's a scene <laughs> where she was like playing the organ right and it was like yeah. the, the notes that she was playing and the music that was playing were way off oh were <laughs> like, they yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, this is not. They, they, it's like one of those things that, like, okay, as a musician, you're like, okay, this is off. And then, yeah, you know, it, what also felt weird too was when she was playing the organ and all the like, when people would hear it, they're like, oh, that's weird, huh? and they just kind of stare off, you know. <laughs> but like, um, it, it also felt like I, I had this note. Let me find it. It was, um. Is she like acting in it as well as writing the music, scoring the film? You know, <laughs> oh, like simultaneously, just like, uh, I'm just gonna write this sick piece right when we're filming, like exactly right <laughs> off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. you know, gotta be efficient. <laughs> I I wish we could hear the full uh, extent of that terrible music that the preacher or the minister thought was like the devil's music or whatever he thought it was um i would like to hear what she was actually playing instead of those like quick snippets because she, she was like kind of in and out like the audio was in and out in that scene i would love to have heard like what that sinister music the minister heard that would have been very interesting <laughs> she, she was she was covering metallica's ride the, ride the lightning I was gonna. I was gonna say it might be really subtle. My my grandmother um, played church organ uh, on the East Coast for a long, 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 long time, and it's you know as a metal guitar player myself, it's like if you're in that kind of environment and you play anything in a minor key, you're gonna get some looks. So I I I kind of got that from a cultural perspective. Yeah. Uh, I see. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought it was. I gotta be honest. Like it, a, it left a lot to be desired. You know. Like the music thing, for example, that you're talking about, Justin. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I was reading on IMDb, and, and I don't know if you saw this, but because I, I was thinking, I was like, this movie's really short. And then I was reading that the director shot a bunch of footage that was supposed to be uh, her seeing the souls dancing in the ballroom. And the shots were of the ghouls supposedly appearing behind the rotting dog pylons on the salt flats and so he walking across the prairie. Um, but that unfortunately was not, they couldn't use that footage cause it was overexposed during the processing part. So uh, that's a good, like 10 minutes or some or so right there that were, that were left out of the final cut. Did you, did you hear, did you read that at all, Justin or anybody? I didn't, I didn't read that, but I, I guess that makes sense. Um, cause I, the thing I did read is that, um, they did a remastered version or they just re-released it with four extra minutes. Um, I don't know which version I shot, I saw, but, uh, I, I think I saw the original theatrical release because it was only, um, an hour and 17 minutes, but I saw other, versions of it and i thought it might have been just like bloated with like uh because i watched it on youtube um i thought it was bloated with like youtube intros you know you know how people are yeah uh, always trying to blow up their channel um so i i i didn't i honestly didn't know i know that there was one with four extra minutes i'm just not sure if i watched that version or not but if there's an extra 10 minutes that kind of covers uh um what was happening between the the ballroom scene and um prior to that well i I feel like that could have been uh even eerier or creepier if um they were able to salvage that if they lost it so yeah i I wanted to see more of the carnival grounds that they that they kept sort of hinting at and then that she eventually ends up at i feel like uh the actual carnival grounds weren't in the film as much as i would have liked you know what i mean um i'm sure that that lost footage probably would have helped um and the other thing i wanted to uh, ask crystal about as a fellow writer 
Are you aware that they made remade this movie in 1998, which I watched the trailer of recently. Uh, well, after I finished watching this movie, and I don't know, the trailer didn't didn't look that great. But Crystal, do you think this is a story that's viable enough for, dare I say, another remake? Um. Well, in terms of the a remake that you mentioned, Wes Craven did do a remake, but it's only a remake by name. The story is completely different. They really pay off, play off the sinister carnival aspect that you were alluding to. So the story is completely different. Um, and there is another international remake called Yilla um, from 2008 that was more faithful to the story, but still just a little different. And from a writing perspective, I think that the story certainly is viable for uh, expansion and rewrite. Um, even though there's a short runtime for this and a lot of unanswered questions, I really think that it does suit the mood and overall total message of the story. We get these fragmented pieces of a broken memory and a place. And it's funny how you mentioned you wanted more inclusion of the carnival grounds. That is actually a real location that the director did see. And that's what inspired him to write and direct the film in the first place. He saw that pavilion in Salt Lake City and he was like, um, with his scriptwriter, you know, I want the end scene to have this pavilion, write something that goes with that. And then that's how the film was made. So the Carnival Grounds definitely did inspire him. And I think that it definitely could have used more of that, but it does work for me as a writer. It's nice. funny. I, I, I had that in my notes as well. It's like, it's, it felt like that the uh, writer wrote this movie around the use of that of those those that pavilion as they they referred to it in the movie yeah since since we're on the topic of location and i guess the uh, different places we've seen this uh there's been the criterion release of this we watched it on shutter which appears to be the original version with all the artifacts and the entire third act has like visible film damage for the remainder of the film i uh, said when you guys saw it on youtube um yeah. I wonder how many different edits of this thing are out there. Many, because there are different, a few different options. And honestly, I didn't even know it was on Shutter. I have a Shutter subscription. I wish. I think I may end up going back and uh, rewatching it on Shutter. That I wish I would have known that. Dang. Yeah. There's, there's want, quite a there's quite a bit more of the carnival uh, from what we saw. They show off some of the attractions. There's a couple of little spooky spooky bits, like with. Um, one of those old carnival slides with the mirror and like you sit in a burlap sack and go down it. Like she's walking through and one of those appears out of nowhere. Huh? Um, yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. I watched the one on YouTube that Justin sent us, which it was an hour and 21 hour and 17, something like that. So yeah, I think the, the shutter version must be a more comprehensive version. It sounds like. Yeah. I, I think the, uh, the voodoo version was a, a complete version as well. Cause, uh, that thing you referred to as that little sack that comes down out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, that was in the voodoo version. I don't remember that in the YouTube version. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that cut, version though. either. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was a very clean edit though that you said, Justin. So I, I assumed that would have been, I don't know the, the one that everybody saw as well, but maybe not. It's interesting. This movie's yeah. going to draw me back in. So I'm, yeah. I'll definitely have to give a, give it a shutter try. Yeah. I'm surprised uh, nobody sure watched it uh, on uh, HBO. That's the, that's the version I saw. Was it's on, on HBO. On... Yeah. I thought uh... you watched it on FUBU, Arnold. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that was, uh, that was the other one. Yeah. Um... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the one I got, I think it was 69. Let's see. Was it oh, oh, an 69? hour and 12 minutes long? Oh, Okay. No, not sixty nine minutes. That was something else. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, this <laughs> this movie is ripe for a cult following for sure, and I think it's also ripe for a remake. I I would love to see a modern take on this. Um, I feel like horror is just one of those genres, that, especially psychological horror. It's one of those genres. It seems to me that's like you you can always keep remaking a lot of the same stories over and over again because there's so many there's still so many different directions to take. You know, like this this movie, um, this story especially, I think would be would be great to see sort of in the modern era. But I do appreciate, um, you know, seeing the version that I saw. Uh, I thought, like I said, it was definitely a vibe. So you know, I can get down with that. Um, any any anything else that uh, you you learned about this movie, Justin or Crystal or anybody? 
I have a note, actually, I think I wanted to share. Um, yeah. So the director actually implemented guerrilla-style filmmaking. So the scenes in the department store and all the scenes around town, that was done with the consent of local people there that the film crew paid off. So you get non-actors doing those parts. So I think it's interesting how they really um, found techniques to use that low budget that they had and kind of was innovative in the sense of filmmaking. And um, the, edit is, the editing is very clean, but I find it impressive that they use those kind of techniques to um, play off of the budget. Yeah. Wow, I didn't That's know awesome. that. I, I can see that now because um, when, I, when I'm watching a movie and there's like a lot of extras involved, uh, especially like a lot of background extras or even extras that are just walking through the forefront of the, of the um, camera, um, the, I think the one thing I always look for is if they're looking at the camera. I don't know. It's just a thing that I, <laughs> I like to do. I'll watch the extras. And um, I, you'll notice that quite a few of them are like either looking at the camera really quick, glancing at the camera. Uh, and then there's a scene that she's uh, running uh, out of the department store. And um, she's passing up a bunch of people and people are just like looking around like what, you know, like what's going on. It, it kind of tears the illusion that she's invisible. But um, now I understand why that happens. And that's because yeah. of the uh, guerrilla filmmaking. There. I need to that's watch pretty that. pretty cool, actually. That's yeah. a, a really neat little thing. Um, yeah. I, I think, I, and maybe, maybe this is just me, um, but... One thing that kept coming up a lot was um, the word uh, crow. Um, and I don't really understand the significance of it. There's So there's like a, um, a shop in the back, or I don't know if it was a shop or whatever it was. It was called like the crow or something. And then the creepy neighbor was holding uh, that whiskey bottle called um, whatever crow. Uh, and then there was like a, another thing, another sign that had the word crow on it. And then there was like, they weren't, they didn't sound like crows, but there was like birds chirping. There was like a little bit of like a, a crow bird thing yeah. going on that, that kind of caught me. Uh, I know, at one, making me wonder uh, what the crow thing is. Is there no. any um, significance to like crows and birds uh, in this movie? Oh, it could be a nod to Hitchcock too. <laughs> oh, yeah. a nod to Hitchcock. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Of the birds. Yeah, um, I love the birds. By the way, that's a that's a great. Don't uh, crows Hitchcock. and ravens sort of represent like death or something? Yeah. Beyond yeah, the grave. Yeah. <laughs> the famous Edgar Allan poem in a quoth the raven nevermore you know so, <laughs> i don't know i'm not I'm, I'm no expert on this at all but but i did not catch that so now, now that i think about it that's that's interesting me neither and, and i think the sound of the chirping birds because in that opening scene when you know when the car crash happens that's kind of the sound that you hear and then you also hear it when she's in that trance-like state so it's kind of like a parallel between that moment in reality and that place where she she's in now so I think that maybe it's a connection to those different planes of existence she's on, maybe. Um, but the chirping is definitely consistent. That's so interesting. And really quick about the beginning. Uh, was that just a random drag race that she just decides to get into, or, or what was up with that? <laughs> I thought it was just a random drag race, right? Or was there something? Yeah, yeah I think she was just with her friends, and they were just, you know, being silly. And I think yeah. that that just happened. They did have to pay for the damage, like the film crew. That's a real bridge. And they paid $12 to fix the damage um, of the wood on the bridge. And I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because I actually priced it out to uh, 2022 inflation. And they paid a total of $117.68 to repair that bridge. That's <laughs> one that, that I want to pay any government. <laughs> that bridge looked so rickety. I would never drive a car across it. And I thought lumber was expensive now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to say. Not to mention the towing bill. You know, those guys will get you too. And uh, how long did it take them to find that car? Because it seemed like it took like a while, like a week. I was thinking that. I was thinking that. I was like, I was man. Like, <laughs> I mean, you could kind of put the science together of like the where they crushed off the bridge obviously because the bridge is now deformed because of it and and then the placement of the car unless like it was one of those um like spooky things where um 
they weren't going to find it until she like found herself. Uh, maybe you can make that argument, you know, <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, I do agree with you with that, Justin. It's um, it kind of feels weird though. Cause like you, like you said, they should, uh, should have found it right away. Right. And it's a ghost car now. <laughs> Does is it have now a skull? ghost car. Is it sentient? <laughs> By the way, their bodies didn't decompose for that entire duration of time. They kind of looked like they just crashed in the water when they pulled them back up. <laughs> right. Unless like time it is kind of like a thing where it was stopped for that moment. And maybe it was just like a day that they pulled the car out. And this, all this took place within her limbo within the span of a week. Because... I mean, there's all those sayings that time is non-existent in death, and I don't know. That, that I guess that's just me getting no, no, interpretation no. out of it. I think you're onto something. I think you're onto something because maybe no time at all passed really for 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 her from or no from our perspective, but for her it was like it maybe may have been a few days or, or whatever, you know. They they did mention how muddy the water was, and this is just like my Mythbusters brain shot in the dark. Like maybe she was slightly mummified. I don't. There's something in the water, but yeah, the, it, it looked too shallow. It was more like a creek than an actual river. So the ghost car, like the just getting swallowed by the river, and she's the only thing that came back out. Uh, yeah, rings in my mind. I like the point you brought up though about like maybe they wouldn't find her until she found herself, um, because. Yeah. Throughout the movie, they show her to be like a very um, in in indifferent or on like she's in a different direction. Like she doesn't really know where to go in life. She wants to be alone, but other times she doesn't want to be alone. So I feel like she has a really fragile character, and maybe that's what subjected her to this limbo from the perspective of the movie. Life was giving her a path, or rather, the afterlife was, and ultimately she's just found herself lost in it. So I think I like that point you brought up. Maybe there was just the culmination of that. And then I think that time was still in that moment and they just found it pretty recently after the crash. I like that theory. I, I, I appreciate when stories will sort of, um, you know, kind of set up questions that don't, they don't really give you answers for that. You kind of have to interpret yourself a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, not because they don't have the answers or whatever, but just because it's like, it's almost like a big, long thought experiment with lots of sort of thematic things about life and about death and about, you know, unfinished business and whatnot. Um, so I, I appreciate that aspect of, of, of this story for well. And I think that's also why it's like, I would love to see a, a remake of it again <laughs> uh, for a more modern, modern audience. Um, but yeah, that's all, all great points tonight uh, uh, that we all brought up. So uh, with all that said, uh, I think it's about that time, right? Uh, let's all uh, give our final thoughts and our social media plugs. Uh, Arnold, uh, let's start with you, my friend. Oh, so, man, I knew that coming into this, uh, I'd be learning a lot from you guys. I mean, I always do every time with, with each movie. But you um, ended up learning nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, becoming more self-aware that I am horrible. Uh, I have a horrible eye at picking up, you know, all, um, all the the uh, uh, theatrical um, shots that they that they. I don't know. I'm I'm not good with with any of all that any of that. Um, I had never seen this movie and. Uh, when you guys were bringing up how oh you can totally um, picture this being shown um, reruns late night movie flipping through channels you know probably something after like Bloodsport on on KTLA channel five or something like that <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but definitely it had Psycho vibes even though I never seen the movie Psycho um, but uh, <laughs> but I've seen little little parts and stuff. Um, I did really, I really though, I, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I thought it was it when I first saw. It, I was like, oh man, black and white movie. I haven't seen a black and white movie, and can't remember when. Uh, last thing I saw was probably I Love Lucy, but um, 
It, uh, here in its own way. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it did give a lot of, um, w- one thing that I, I don't think we really spoke about was like the, uh, imagination. Um, when the doctor, uh, was like saying, uh, oh, um, maybe it could just be your imagination that, um, you're just not, uh, what, what do you say? Um, you know, understanding it right or something. You ever, you ever feel like uh, there's two people there that you think they're, they're talking about you, but then they're really not. But it's just, it's just all your imagination. It's just all made up. Like, I feel like that part was kind of thrown in there to kind of, uh, it, it, it kind of made me think twice like, oh, so wait, is she alive? Is she dead? And then then it, come, it becomes more clear at the end that like, oh, so she was dead the whole time. Yeah. All right. Uh, um. <laughs> Definitely, uh, they did. They did pretty good with the budget that it had. Thirty three thousand, you say? Yeah. Compared to, and I, I just looked it up. Uh, so Psycho was like eight hundred thousand uh, budget that they had. Um, they, yeah, they did pretty good. I wish they did do more in that uh, carnival place. Um, uh, overall, uh, I, I out of a letterbox um, five star rating. I would I would give it a a three a three out of five stars. Um, I did. Uh, oh, my Z rating, uh, <laughs> Crystal uh, Kurt. That, that's my rating. Like, uh, where how often did I did, did the movie movie make me fall asleep? Um, I did fall asleep a little bit because uh, I started watching it late. So I finished it today, and then hey, I was late to the show because. I, I fell asleep <laughs> and yeah, I, I woke up like, Oh man, in, in a, in a sweaty mess, but I made it, I made it here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, a, a onesie, one Z rating, not a onesie like outfit, but uh, I, I give a onesie, but three, uh, three stars out of five letterbox rating. You can find me at Arnie Calego um, on Instagram. My link tree is there and I'm on everything else there. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that, Arnold. Uh, now we know, you know, uh, sometimes you just kind of doze off a little bit. You know what I mean? That's, uh, but that's what the Z rating is for. So I'm glad we've introduced that uh, into this show. So, so thank you for that, Arnold. Yeah. Uh, Crystal and Kurt, so let's hear from you guys. What are some final thoughts uh, you guys had on this film? What are some plugs, if any at all? And uh, where can people find you guys online? Uh, well, I'll go first. Um, I could see how this inspired a lot of other works. Obviously, a, was it George Romero is quoted pretty frequently uh, getting inspiration from this. Um, the scene in the department store where she is disconnected from reality. I mean, that just screams sixth sense to me um, personally. Like, I could totally see where a lot of other folks who maybe went to film school uh saw this and were immediately inspired by it. So um, I give it, I give it a, 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 for, for the pedigree, I'd give it a four out of five. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Knocking off a star for mostly just technical stuff. Honestly, um, the audio is a big one. It, it breaks me out of, out of it a little bit. I can deal with the, the dated writing and some of the, the some of the characters. Um, but all in all, I think it's, I think it's very good. Uh, you can find me on the YouTube channel bearing my full name, Kurt Shawwalker, where Crystal and I have actually done a, a whole season of film essays, um, everything from Darren Aronofsky's Pie to stuff like Titan AE. It's called Semi-Forgotten Film Essays. It's nice. stuff that's just I just over the horizon. That, like We don't talk about it anymore, but we should. And uh, definitely worth checking out if you get a chance. Crystal? One of the things I liked most about joining this podcast was getting to share this film with other people uh, because I have never gone to actually watch it and share it with people I know and get their input on it. So um, having watched it with Kurt again and revisiting it since watching it in my college days, I really do maintain the same appreciation I have for it. Um, everything from the style and the tone of the type of horror, suspense, 
Um, there's memorable images that stay in your mind. And everything from the technical aspects that they would do um, to accommodate the budgeting, I feel that the film really was a passion project for the director, and I feel bad that this was the only full-length feature that he did. And I also feel bad that the lead actress never really starred in anything else because I think that she does a really great vacant face. So um, I, I really enjoy this film. And I personally also give it a four out of five um, for the tone and atmosphere it creates. There is a little bit of a lapse in the story and room for expansion for sure. But I think all in all, the story and the message and the theming really tie together at the end. And there is a lot of references to um, modern horror that go back to this. And from music and art, you get that black and white distinction with the ghoul makeup at the end that's been done in music videos like Phoebe Bridgers. So there's definitely a lot of modern artists that take influence from this film. And you can find me at crystalherald.com where I post all of my latest articles that range from events and I do film reviews there sometimes. And I am also on Instagram um, for photography at the August VC. Well, thank you for that. Uh, definitely going to look up that YouTube channel. I, I can sink my teeth into some video essays, especially when it comes to, when it comes to movies, it's, it's my favorite type of uh, video essay to, to consume on the internet. So, so thank you guys for that. We'll send you a link. We'll send you a link. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, And thank you, Crystal as well. Um, Brilliant takes on this story. Uh, I can tell you're a writer, by the way, just the, just the way (laughs) you talk, like we're we're almost like speaking the same language so to speak. And when it comes to that sort of thing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Thank you for having us. Of course. Of course. Uh, Alex, let's hear from you. What are your final thoughts and where can people find you? Yeah. So um, there's a, a lot of stuff in this movie to like sink my teeth into. Uh, but I like many of us on this podcast, uh, we try to go in uh, untainted with the no preconception of what the movie is. So all I knew was just, I saw the poster, you know, Crystal recommended it. And so I went in, watched, put it on. Uh, and first, first thoughts, like I said, early, like right immediately, uh, it gave me MST3K vibes, you know, like, uh, so like a lot of my notes at the very beginning of the film felt more like I was trying to like write, write some commentary to be like kind of MST3K, but it, it quickly evolved into like, oh, this is inter- a very, very interesting film. There's actually uh, more to it than just like being an old film that I've never heard of or never heard of before. Um, but then also parts of it too i I started thinking i was like oh i've seen a lot of this the footage used in different things like either in the background as sort of like like i i see the lead lead actress from this film like in certain other films as like there's a tv playing in the background and there's a girl running you know and it was that or it was i i feel like i've seen that image of her being pulled out, pulled out of the mud in the very beginning from the river, and she was like covered in mud. I feel like I've seen it in several different places. So it was just a lot of familiarity in uh, while watching this film. And then also, you know, I being that it was made in the '60s, I continuously had to pull back myself and be like, okay, the technical side of everything, the art hasn't developed as as it is today. I kept on having to pull myself out back. So when I did that, I'd actually see the technical genius of the, some of the uh, cinematography that they would do, you know, they would like, I was like, Oh, that's a really cool shot. I like that. Like, like I like certain things that they did. And, you know, while some of the, um, um, the cinematography was just kind of like, eh, and it was typical of that time. There were other shots where like it was like a steady it was a, like a like a set camera, but then it would be a kind of wide shot and you'd see her this like kind of it was like a, a wide lens and you see this whole like foreground of, or like this whole like area of her just walking around in the car the the pavilion area. And I was like, oh, that's kind of like like referencing to me in like other older films and like other different art styles. And then I don't know, it was just there was a lot to it. And I really appreciated it. Um, 
and I could see all the influences it had on so many other uh, filmmakers. Um, and it's it was it was actually a pretty like awesome film to watch just because of all of that. I I continuously saw I was like, oh, that's really cool. I could see how you know it influenced these horror directors and even the, the that scene where um they're she's driving down that like dusty road by herself and then she felt like gets like uh drives off the driven off the road because she's that see she's that face um that man it reminds me of in the mouth of madness that scene in in that where he's driving down the road and you see like the, that guy like <laughs> like driving alongside that car and it, it i was like it's kind of cool like just to see all these different references and so um for all of that i mean there were like a lot of like stuff that even for that that that, that time it was they could have done better like the like, uh avr uh some of the camera camera shots and some of the, some of the acting but overall i would give this movie a 3.5 um it was it was a, a wonderful watch um definitely like would recommend it to any sort of like uh aspiring filmmaker to see like the history of uh horror and um you could find me at daily dares on instagram pretty much any sort of social media almost but uh, on instagram you can see a link tree for all the things i'm involved in and yeah well thank you for that alex uh we do appreciate that um justin let's hear from you pal where can people find you and what are your final thoughts on carnival of souls uh so my final thoughts um i just i guess i just wanted to point out one like kind of sad thing that i found out about this while doing a little bit of research is that um after this movie was released um uh, the actress i don't know how to pronounce her last name so i hope i say it right but candace hiligas um hiligas um apparently uh her agent refused to work with her after this movie so and i went and i kind of checked her film history and she has pretty large gaps uh within her acting career um you know, going from jumping from 1962 to 1964 to 71, 81, 2019, and 2022, uh, which it looks like she mostly just does like voiceover shorts or just has like a small little part and things like that. And it's it's kind of unfortunate because I feel like out of everybody, all the actors in this movie, I felt like she was the only one I could really take seriously. Um, my my biggest beef with this movie would be just i and i i'm i'm sure it's just uh guilty for um the time of age that this movie came out in but i felt like all the men in this movie were just complete creepy assholes man like they're all just super toxic and you know and that's just to blame for the day and age that this movie came out in but uh, I just felt like all the men in this movie were just super weird, super touchy feely. And I felt like that just creeped me out more than anything. Um, yeah, but besides that, um, I, I felt the acting every, here and there was a little bit dodgy. Um, besides Candace's character, I felt like she, she was the highlight of the entire movie, uh, which is sad for given her, career afterwards but um i feel like she probably could have went on to be bigger uh than she than she was um you know luckily she is still getting roles here and there but uh other than that um i felt the cinematography was stunning at times uh like the beginning of the movie uh from the um the drag race bridge scene um to the carnival scenes i felt were shot really well there were definitely some interesting angles that uh, i don't think i've seen in other 60s movies uh from that from that time with those particular camera shots i thought that 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 was those scenes were 
pretty well done. And then you get in, get to the scenes that were interior, like in the house uh, or even like the bar where it was just kind of dull, dreary. It felt like a, uh, felt like a stage show uh, that you can go see, but um the cinematography and everything outside of that was very impressive, very clear um, uh, on what the film was trying to go for. And I do get the sense of dread from her experience in this whole thing from the uh, dead people dancing, uh, which I thought that was a a pretty cool scene to all the different reflective uh, tapestries coming from the ceiling and everybody's like dancing around and uh, I thought that was a really well done scene um, I feel that the story was really well written but again just a victim of its time and a victim of its budget um, I would love to see uh, another production company take hold of this story and expand on it uh, for modern day audiences, it would, it was, it's a really neat idea. Um, and I can also see how other movies are inspired by this one in particular. Um, but, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, out of five stars, I'm going to give it a solid three. Uh, and, uh, where you can find me on social media, uh, Shibs the Zombie on Instagram. And you can just go into my bio and click on the link in there and you can follow all the other stuff that I'm doing. Uh, I'm also uh, doing a face of horror type of thing. Um, I'm currently standing in second place. So if you can go over, it's in my links and everything. So if you just click the link, and vote for me get me to that number one position we'll see what happens i would love to win that'd be great but nice. anyway yeah that's uh that's my letterbox rating well thank you for that justin uh for those of you listening definitely go vote for our boy justin get him up there what's the what's the grand prize or, or what's the thing that you get if you win by the way uh it's thirteen thousand dollars um Ooh. you get to meet uh jason himself kane hotter uh, and you're all, and uh, also a uh, cover to be on the cover of Rue Morgue magazine, and you get to have a two night stay at Buffalo Bill's house. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you you could get all kinds of extra guac on your Chipotle burritos with 13 G's, boy. I tell you, uh, extra, extra. <laughs> Where's Buffalo Bill's house? Uh, Utah. Buffalo. Oh, speaking of Utah. Hey. There you go. Cool. How do you know? Well, thank you for that, Justin. Uh, I don't have much else to say about this movie. I, I, I think what I will say that I've said plenty of times on this show is that you know it's it's thanks to you guys that I, I end up watching movies that I, I otherwise would not have ever seen, from Ghost Hog to Bloodsport to Hudson Hawk to Lawnmower Man, and now to this movie. Like those those are the kinds of movies that I never would have otherwise watched you know i mean I, i'm a creature of habit i, I re-watched the social network and the office more times than i'm willing to admit but uh i'm definitely trying to expand my cinematic horizons so to speak so so thank you crystal and kurt and and, and justin for recommending this movie uh thank you guys again for for being on this show uh would love to have you guys on again i would love to I'm definitely gonna check out your your youtube series and, and whatnot um yeah i uh what else i mean um i enjoy this movie you know it's definitely not a perfect movie in, in a lot of ways i think the story is very interesting i think it's very intriguing i i would love to to see like i said a more modern uh refresh uh sometime and um other than that i just want to say that yeah the you know th- on letterbox as far as my rating goes the throw a strong three stars out of five on letterbox and you can find me on Letterboxd across all social media. I don't have a link tree because I only have one username. You guys all know it. Boots too big with two zeros. Uh, Boots too big across all social medias. Of course, follow the show. Never seen a podcast at never seen a podcast. Never seen a podcast dot com. Uh, we are doing more movie reviews. Uh, I've been doing some more lately. Uh, Arnold's been doing some. Alex and Justin, you know, we're all working on extra working content on for the show. Yeah, we're all. 
we're all making extra things out there guys you know give us uh give us some likes some reviews uh drop us hey drop us a comment or a message tell us you hate us Definitely. tell us you hate us absolutely i i only thrive on negativity so please uh i need something to delete <laughs> but yeah um that's all i got to say you know check out the show and uh you know we're, we're, we're out here people we're out here any any final thoughts from anybody No, too okay. Many of them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, really quick, a score, a score that I want to uh, want to introduce now is rewatchability. I think this movie oh. has a has a big rewatchability score. I'm gonna give this a rewatchability of four out of five because I feel like there's stuff that I kind of missed that you guys touched on that I wanna I wanna watch again. So yeah, definitely a good rewatchable rewatchable movie. So. I'm gonna say five out of five for me because uh, I'm gonna just rewatch it on Shutter after this so yeah. there you go <laughs> yeah four out of five for me as well five out of five definitely a lot of stuff to check out boom yeah four out of four five. out of five for me nice yeah definitely i uh, want to check it out again oh well that's great that's the i'm glad i i'm glad i talked this up at the in, in the 11th hour of, uh, oh, oh one, <laughs> one last thing that, that I, I just noticed though like uh i i don't think you should be too sad about like her uh her career uh what's her name uh candace Gilligoss. Uh, uh-huh. she's done she, she seems to have thrived in the industry and she even wrote a book called the odyssey and the idiocy Mar- marriage to an actor and then, that's a great title i yeah. love that right? um, yeah interesting okay it's a 4.2 out of 5 on goodreads oh i gotta check that out for so, sure 4.20 there you go. and i mean <laughs> And I've, I, I was looking up her career post that, you know, and, and that's one of the things, too. I feel like as much as people uh, like, oh, they could have been a great actor, but they could have like these people. We don't know like, like what kinds of careers they did after. Like they could have done like, other things in the industry or done great things outside of the industry. So, like, I feel like she was able to make a career somehow because she seems to be doing well. I, I, I see I've, I'm looking at images of her. She's still alive to this day. She's 83. Uh, she seems to be on some a few YouTube videos. So she's doing something. She's well, that's good for her. Well. Good for her. That's good for her. Getting out there. Um, we're supposed to be wrapping this up. A, a quick, quick, quick aside. Justin, when you, earlier you'd mentioned uh, extras looking into the camera. Did you guys know in the movie Shazam, there's a shot uh, in the mall where you can see crew members, but because they were looking at the cameras and stuff, they CGI'd them with like mops and buckets to make them look like they were just mall. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's such a, God, that's that's such a brilliant idea. idea. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Are you talking about the Shazam with Shaq? No, 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 no. The, 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 the DC superhero movie, Shazam. Ah, I, uh, I actually have not seen that movie yet. Hey, Arnold, you know what, you know what score that got out of 100? 69. So, oh, appreciate perfect. that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, this is the Never Seen It podcast. Uh, have a good spooky season. We'll see you on the flip side.